I'm excited to finish our series on Matthew 23. It's been entitled, I Am Not a Pharisee, Am I? And so we're going to look into that again, and uh, we're going to dig into 23, finish this thing up. I want to remind you that Jesus has repeatedly addressed the scribes, the Pharisees, as hypocrites. Because these guys are acting like something they're not for their own benefit with no intention to change. And if you've caught anything from the series of messages, I hope that you've caught that we must make every effort to move away from any degree of hypocrisy in our lives. That we want to learn from the mistakes of the scribes and Pharisees because we don't want to hear Jesus say to us, woe to you. Because that woe to you is a warning of imminent judgment that we don't want on our lives. And we want to move from every degree of hypocrisy closer and closer to Christ, trusting in Him completely so that we don't hear those phrases that these scribes and Pharisees have heard now multiple times. We want to move away from every degree of hypocrisy. Every degree. Now that's a challenge for every one of us because the truth is that every single one of us this past week, maybe even this morning, have struggled with sin. Did any of you exhibit a bad attitude this morning getting ready for church? Anybody anybody want to be true confessions here? You bunch of hypocrites. (laughs) The point is we all struggle with sin. I mean, this past week we've struggled with attitudes, we've struggled with thoughts, we've struggled with doing things we didn't intend to do. We, we struggle with just walking with Christ in a way that is not how we plan to walk with Him. If you didn't spend time reading your Bible on Thursday of this week and praying, then you, you stumbled into something that you didn't intend to stumble into. All of us struggle with sin. And that means that we are tempted to move down the progression of hypocrisy. From hypocrisy in the first degree to hypocrisy in the second degree. You see, what happens is, in those moments when we do something in our lives that is falling short of what we know we should be doing as followers of Christ, and we act like that moment didn't happen, that is stepping into hypocrisy. So so on Thursday, if you didn't read your Bible, you didn't spend time praying, you didn't have thought of God, got to the end of the day and you thought, man, how in the world... Did I spend the whole day and really didn't give consideration to God in my life? If then on Friday you acted like Thursday never happened, that's a moment of hypocrisy. Acting like something you're not. You see, in reality, on Friday what you should have done is, is really recognize what happened on Thursday and humble yourself before the Lord and practice what we talked about last week, confession. Confessing the Lord what you've done. You see, anytime you have one of those moments where you fail to honor the Lord as you know you should, if that failure is followed by confession, then you're moving away from hypocrisy, not into it. We've got to be careful to move away from every degree of hypocrisy, and we're only going to move away from it if we run to Christ. We don't want to hear these words, woe to you. Jesus Christ has given us multiple reasons, motivations, encouragements to run to Him. And today we look at the last woe in verse 29. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and you adorn the monuments of the righteous. 
So Jesus says to these guys, you guys look like, if, if someone's observing what you do, you guys look like you honor the Old Testament prophets. But you're hypocrites. What you look like you're doing is not who you really are. You, you look like these guys who spoke a message from God that resulted in the people dishonoring them and killing them and burying them in places of disrepute, you look like that you really care about those prophets that were buried in dishonor because look what you're doing. You're building their tombs. You're decorating their monuments. You look like you care about the prophets. But you're hypocrites. What you look like is not really what's going on inside. And then Jesus says in verse 30, And you say, if we had lived in the day of our fathers, we would not have shared with them in the blood of the prophets. Jesus says, you look like you care about the prophets, and you actually sound like you care about the prophets. You say that if you'd have lived in the time of these prophets whose tombs you are building and decorating, you would never have murdered them, rejected them, and killed them. You would never have been as bad as your fathers. They look like they care about the prophets. They sound like they care about the prophets. But Jesus says they're hypocrites. And there's no good end for hypocrisy. Jesus says in verse 31, You bear witness against yourselves that you are sons of the ones who killed the prophets. Jesus says to these guys, You have just said more than you realize you said. Because when you claim to be sons, or you claim that these guys who killed the prophets were your fathers, you've actually borne witness to your heart. Because you guys are just like your fathers. Chips off the old block. You're just like them. In fact, Jesus is going to make it clear here that he agrees with them that they would not have done what their fathers did. But in fact, they would have done what is worse. Hypocrisy. Verse 32. Fill up the measure of the guilt of your fathers. Jesus Christ issues a command to these scribes and Pharisees and says to them, you go ahead and you fill up the guilt of your fathers. Now think about what the fathers have done. The fathers have rejected the prophets. And the prophets' message could be summarized by saying, there is coming a remedy for our sin, one who redeem us and offer grace and forgiveness. It is the Messiah. Look for him, watch for him, believe in him. That is the message of the prophets. 
All the prophets are pointing to Jesus Christ. If you remember the story about Jesus Christ walking along the road to Emmaus with a couple of his followers, and he's explaining to them after the resurrection how all the Old Testament points to Christ. And they recognized who it was who explained it to them. And they were so excited because Christ was risen. And they recognized that all the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. So here you have these prophets who are giving a message about Christ. And the fathers of these scribes and Pharisees have rejected the message of the prophets. And now the scribes and the Pharisees who said, we're not going to be like our fathers, we'd live there, we wouldn't have been like them, are now, they are going to fill up the measure of the guilt of their fathers. And what Jesus is essentially saying is, those guys rejected the men who are pointing to me, and now you are going to reject me. And Jesus says to them, go ahead and fill up the measure of the guilt of your fathers. In other words, what you're planning, what you're hoping to accomplish, what you've been talking about in meetings, hunkered in the corners of dark places, thinking about how you might destroy me, you go ahead and you fill up the measure of the guilt of your fathers. It's no wonder that Jesus then says, snakes, brood of vipers, how will you escape from the judgment of hell? These guys are not just rejecting the message of the prophets. They're rejecting Jesus Christ. And Jesus says of them, How will you escape hell if you're rejecting me? You see, hypocrisy has no good end. And Jesus Christ makes it crystal clear just how severe judgment will be for those who walk in hypocrisy to the pharisaical degree. Look what he says. Verse 34. Behold, for this reason, I am sending to you prophets and wise men and scribes. Notice what's happening. There's a shift here. Before the Messiah comes, God has been sending His messengers. And His messengers have been repeatedly rejected throughout history. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 7 says, Ever since you came out of Egypt, I've been sending my messengers to you, and you have turned a deaf ear to them. But Jesus here says... I am sending my messengers. So God the Father has been sending His messengers. The Messiah comes, and now Jesus Christ is telling His people, I'm going to keep sending my messengers to you. How does the, the Gospel of Matthew end? The Gospel of Matthew ends by Jesus saying to His followers, Go into every nation, make disciples. He is going to send the equivalent of the Old Testament messengers in the New Testament commission. Jesus Christ is sending His followers to proclaim the gospel. And part of the reason they're going to be sent to these people, 
is so that the measure of judgment is justified. Now look what happens. This is amazing what Jesus says. He says, some of them you will kill. Some of them you will crucify. You will scourge them in your synagogues and you will persecute them from city to city. So I'm sending you my messengers and you're going to keep on rejecting them. Verse 35, so that the blood of the righteous which has been poured out upon the ground from the blood of Abel the righteous to the blood of Zechariah son of Barakai who is murdered between the temple and the altar might be upon you. Jesus says of these hypocrites who have rejected him, I'm going to keep on sending people your way. And you are going to reject them. You're going to keep on rejecting the message that I am the Messiah. So that the guilt of the blood of all the prophets, from beginning to end, all the prophets will be upon you. And then Jesus says, Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. There is nothing going to stop the judgment that I plan bringing on your hypocrisy. If you reject me and everybody I've sent to proclaim me and you keep on building up this wrath, it's going to be poured out on you and nothing will stop it. And the degree of wrath will be to the measure of all the guilt of rejecting all the prophets. This is an ending for hypocrisy that is unending and unimaginable. It is eternal torment and suffering under the judgment of hell for the measure of guilt for rejecting all the prophets. Now that is more than severe. I've got to be honest with you. If we, if we get what Jesus Christ has said to the scribes and the Pharisees in these woes, and we capture just a little understanding of the degree of judgment that's falling on hypocrisy, I would think that would be motivation for us to move away from every degree of hypocrisy. I've just got to be honest here. If that doesn't move you to be motivated to run away from every degree of hypocrisy, then how will you escape the judgment of hell? Hypocrisy has no good end. And we ought to do everything we can to move away from any degree of hypocrisy. And Jesus tells us how. Look what he says in verse 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who has killed the prophets and stoned those who have been sent to her. Now Jesus broadens his perspective 
He's been addressing the scribes and the Pharisees, representative of that generation. And then he broadens it to Jerusalem. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which represents his people, past generations, all the way up to the current generation that he's addressing. And he summarizes his people by saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who has killed the prophets and rejected those who've been sent to her. He explains their depravity, brokenness, and rebellion by grouping them all together and just saying, you have consistently rejected me and displayed your rebellion against me. You have killed everybody that I've sent to you. You're going to kill me. You're going to keep rejecting those that I send. You have displayed your rebellion time and time again. Nothing has come out of you except rebellion against me. And he says to them, how often I have been willing to gather your children together like a hen gathers her chicks under her wing. Jesus says to this broken and rebellious people who have constantly rejected him, the clearest messengers of God's truth. They have despised and murdered. They have killed the Son of God. They have rejected Him. And Jesus says, how often I have been willing to bring you to Myself. And He gives this incredible picture of a hen bringing its little chicks under her wing. The Old Testament in the Psalms, there are several statements about God who gives him the attributes of having a wing of covering, a wing of protection that he gathers his people under to save them from destruction. And Jesus is saying to his people, I have been so willing to bring you under my wing to protect you from destruction. Do you know what that destruction is? It's right here in this context. Jerusalem, you deserve woe to you. But I want to draw you in and put you under my wing so that I take the full brunt of the wrath of God on your hypocrisy and you find forgiveness. Jesus says to his people, I want to bring you under my protection because I'm going to receive all the wrath of God on your sin. Won't you come? Isaiah 53 says, We like sheep have all gone astray. Each one of us has turned his own way. But the Lord has caused our iniquity to fall on him. Christ has a wing of grace 
that has absorbed the wrath of God so that anyone who comes under His wing of grace will receive forgiveness for every degree of hypocrisy. What we see right here is the heart of Christ that He looks at us and He knows that we struggle and He knows that we're tempted to walk in the progression of hypocrisy and He knows that we are destined to sin every day until He redeems us completely. He knows we've fallen short and His heart is, I have a wing of grace. If you just come to me, I want to tell you and show you that I have paid the price for every degree of your hypocrisy. There is nothing you've done that I've not paid for. I'm absorbing the full wrath of God so that if you come to me under my wing, you will be forgiven. In the saddest words of this chapter. Spoken by Jesus when he says of his people, but you were unwilling. You were unwilling. You were unwilling to see your need for forgiveness. You were unwilling to see your sin in light of Christ's holiness. You were unwilling to see the love that was displayed for you. You were unwilling to see the wing of grace. You were unwilling to see your pride and hard-heartedness. You were unwilling to see the willingness of Christ. And there's nothing left for the unwilling except desolation. And Jesus Christ says, Your house will be left to you desolate. The temple at Jerusalem where God was to dwell is empty. Your religious actions that are meant to honor God are meaningless. Your life has no value. You are desolate. If you are unwilling, there is nothing left but desolation. but desolation. Jesus Christ concludes His final words to Jerusalem. An interesting statement. Verse 39, He says, For I say to you, you will not see Me from this day until you say, Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. That's a quote from Psalm 118. It's not the first time we've seen the quote. Chronologically, we heard this phrase just a couple days before this moment as Jesus Christ entered Jerusalem with what we have termed the triumphal entry. Now, Biblically, contextually, that entry into Jerusalem was the entry into the city of God where the people of God were giving a claim to the son of David as the rightful king ready to take the throne of Jerusalem. But Jesus came in on a donkey exhibiting his humility that he was entering Jerusalem this time as king but servant king. He came to die. And now Jesus says, I'm not going to come back to Jerusalem until you hear, until you say again, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a promise. 
This is a promise that Jesus Christ is going to return again. And when he returns, the prophecy of Psalm 118 will be totally fulfilled. You see, when Jesus first entered Jerusalem and heard that cry and came in on a donkey, that was a partial fulfillment because he was yet to go to the cross. He was coming in as a servant king. But Jesus Christ will enter Jerusalem again when he comes back. And he will not be coming on a donkey. He'll be coming on a white horse as a reigning king, a warrior who will distribute justice. He will distribute salvation to those who have come under his wing of grace. He will distribute judgment, eternal judgment of hell on those who were unwilling. This last statement is a promise of his return. And it's a promise that's meant to serve as an invitation because he's not yet returned. An invitation to respond to his heart. He is offered a wing of grace. But it's a promise that serves as a warning because if you do not respond, if you are unwilling, you will meet a reigning king who will pour out his judgment. So the question for us today is, are you willing? Jesus wants you to move from every degree of hypocrisy. Are you willing? Are you willing to stop acting like or believing that your sin in your life is actually to such a degree that Jesus Christ wouldn't want you? Would you just stop acting like your sin is so significant that you can't come to Christ? Are you willing to see that Christ is willing to receive you just as you are with all your sin, however terrible you might perceive it, Christ is willing to receive you under His wing of grace and forgive you. Are you willing? Are you willing to recognize that not a single person in this room can live in such a way as to please God enough that He'd be more willing to accept us? Are you willing to see that our lives don't make God happier to receive us and our junk? That's not how this works. How this works is you admit your junk. You tell Him what you are because He already knows it and there's nothing that can make Him happier to receive you than the death of His Son. It's Jesus Christ that has given joy to the Godhead so that God would extend an invitation to us who are undeserving of such an invitation. It is in Christ that the Father receives joy to invite those who are undeserving. We've got to be willing to receive His invitation on the basis of Christ. It's just Christ. Are you willing? Are you willing to stop blaming getting busy in your life for why you don't come to Christ? Are you you willing to stop blaming the fact that your marriage is not what you want it to be for why you're not coming to Christ? Are you willing to stop blaming 
the, the difficult upbringing you had and the dysfunctional family you had. Hello, everybody's a little dysfunctional. Are, are you willing to stop making excuses and just pack all your bags with all your junk and bring the baggage of your life right underneath Jesus' wing of grace and just place it there and say, I need you to clean me up. Are you willing? Are you willing to be loved and forgiven like you've never deserved to be loved and forgiven? Are you willing? Jesus is willing.